The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, Remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm. Between you and us a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to there cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. How are you? Good. Good. You look good. Today, nice watch. Today we have a text. The story that we just read. It's about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man, all his life, he eats whatever he wants. He drinks whatever he wants. He uses all of his money and he's got a lot of it. Just for himself. There's a poor man. And he sits right outside the driveway of this rich man right on the road. He doesn't have anything to eat. And in fact, the dogs just kind of walk around him and lay on top of him and lick his sores because he's sick. I knew that already. What do you think the poor man feels like? Yeah. He feels kind of sad. Feels kind of sad? Lorenzo. Yeah. Sad? Hungry? Yeah. Awful. Awful. Yes. Angry. Angry. All of these things, right? All of these things. They both die. That happens to everybody eventually, right? They both die. One uh, is with Abraham. Do you know who Abraham is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
your hand was a shepherd? Yes, kind of. Yeah, father of Isaac. Abraham's what we call the father of many nations. Uh, Israel, eventually. Uh, all of those descendants uh, were descendants of Abraham. He's a very important guy. He was promised uh, that he would be blessed and all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. You see this poor man standing with Abraham. That's important. Can everybody look at my nose? Thank you. You see Abraham standing with Lazarus. The rich man, the one who took all the stuff, he descended into hell. Scary, right? All right. You should say that. He cries out. He cries out. We shouldn't say that. Actually, we should. We should. He descended into hell, and he asks. He sees Abraham and Lazarus way across from him, and he says, send the poor man with his finger dipped in a bit of water just to cool my tongue, because I'm in agony. What's the most thirsty you've ever been? Yeah. Whenever you don't have anything to do? Or you don't have any water to drink, right? Yeah. What else? Um, when you're uh, on a hike and you run out, and, and I, uh, run out and I ran out of water. On a hike and you ran out of water. It's never a good thing, is it? Well, if you're riding your bike, like if you go with your friends on the bike and then they go like kind of far by the for a hike or something and then you forget your water bottle at home. Mm, forget your water bottle. Yeah. You drink milk to get bigger, but sometimes you're still thirsty, right? Yeah. Well, imagine you don't have any milk and no water, nothing, and it's as hot as it gets out. You got nothing. You want a little bit of water, right? Well, he asks three times. The first time he says, uh, give me some water, and Abraham says, no. You had what you needed in your life, and now you don't have anything. Second time, he says, well, send Lazarus to go warn my brothers. And he says, no, they should listen to the Bible, Moses and the prophets, right? Third time, he says, what if they see someone raised from the dead, like the poor man? Abraham says, no, even if someone raises from the dead, they won't believe it. I got a question, guys. I got a question. Why do I talk every Sunday? Yes. So you can learn. That's right. What else? So you can do your job. Okay. But should I just talk about anything? No, you should talk what the gizmos to do. Like, like, or a book or something. Like you have like a certain page. Yeah. So I have stuff that I read on a regular basis, and we do some prayers. Yes. Why do I talk, Phineas? So we can learn. About anything in particular? Learn about God and Jesus. Yes, learn about God and Jesus. And there's two main things I try to focus on. One of them is grace, and that means you're forgiven no matter what. No matter what. Is there anything you can do where you're not forgiven? Correct. No, there is not. The other one is on how we're supposed to live our lives. And we just said in this story that even if someone's raised from the dead, we're not going to believe it. 
So why am I talking? Because I like talking? <laughs> Someone have you believe that, yes. What else? So you can talk very loud so, so the people up in sound definition can hear? Okay. I talk loud so they can hear in the back. Let me tell you why I talk. Jesus went ahead and tried that last part out. Jesus died, right? Did Jesus die? Shake your head yes or no. Did Jesus die? Yes. Did Jesus rise from the dead? In that, we see two things. We see grace and forgiveness. Grace means you're forgiven no matter what. And we see what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give ourselves over. We're supposed to give of ourselves to those who have needs, to those around us. Are we supposed to be like the rich man? No. We're supposed to be like Jesus. So I talk, hoping, here's hoping, that we act more like Jesus. I might not have a high success rate, but every time I talk, I want you to know that you're loved and that you're to act like Jesus. You're loved and you're to act like Jesus. Pop quiz, Michael, are you loved? Pop quiz, Ava, are you to act like Jesus? Good. Every story boils down to that. Yes. Oh, five of. All right. Shall we pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. You give us many things, and we ask that you teach us how to share those. Not like the rich man, but like you would. Help us to change, quickly or slowly, whatever happens in your time, to be more and more like Jesus every day. And when we're frustrated... And when we're trying, but we can't quite, we ask that you remind us that we're loved no matter what. In your name we pray. Amen. There we go. Thanks for your help, Jack. I don't need snacks. Okay. You're welcome. Oh, just one. There you. There you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. How do you know what's in someone's heart? How do you know what's in someone's heart? Actions. Very good. How do you discern those actions? What do those actions mean? There's been some work on this, right? If you want to take the uh, soft science approach, you can uh, look at sociology textbooks and psychology textbooks, and they'll tell you about different ways of observing and recording behavior, right? There's uh, simple forms like surveys that people fill out over the course of time to uh, self 
uh, report how their actions have changed, but those are kind of inaccurate for a variety of reasons. You can do observations, so you follow a person around all over the course of their life, but we know from observational bias that, you know, actions change when you know you're being watched. Look at a child when it gets close to Christmas, right? There's ways of uh, recording behavior from observing in a natural habitat from far away. So recording people when they don't know they're being observed, that happens to be illegal in most cases. But you only know behavior. You, you can see the behavior and it is attached to the heart, but it's hard to discern what the behavior means, right? Most of us would say, or at least many of us would agree, that Jesus alone can know the heart of someone. Jesus alone can know what's going on inside that person. What those actions truly mean, where their heart and their faith truly lies. Jesus says in this text today that our actions are directly tied to what we do with our wealth. Our actions are directly tied to what we do with our wealth. And at this point, I'd like to recognize that Luke just won't get off the topic. It's been five weeks. That's over a month that we've talked about money. That we've talked about what we do. And honestly, I just want you to know that I don't pick the texts. Okay? (laughs) This is a lectionary. They're laid out for me. (laughs) They just show up. Now, I very easily could jump to some other text, but... When the gospel goes out of its way in a row to five times consecutively talk about what we do with our wealth and what we do with our money, it seems like it's trying to make a point, so we should engage it. I already know that this is not a way to win favoritism, and this is not a way to gain members at all. Like, this doesn't work in a strategy. But we're not here to be strategic. We're here to be faithful. So here we go. If you want to know about someone, if you want to know about their heart, if you want to know about their actions, look at their money. Look at their money. If you want to know what's important to someone, you look at the bank account. You look at what's going on. That's what it happens in today's text, right? We look at the rich man who has tons of money, wears great robes, and occasionally purple cloth, right? This is boding well for me so far. Eventually, we get to the poor man, Lazarus, who is named, sitting outside the gate. That man has nothing. He simply sits outside where the garbage is disposed of, barely eats. He hopes to eat what falls from that table barely gets there, and the dogs, the other garbage disposals of that time, lick his sores because he might as well be dead in the first place. Both die. One scene with Abraham, we call that Abraham's bosom. If you don't know about Abraham's bosom, there was a theory at the time of what happens when you died. You went to live with Abraham until all the promises were fulfilled. You went to live with Abraham so that all the promises would be fulfilled. It's like heaven, but it's not really heaven. Heaven Heaven-ish. 
At that time, it's where good folks went. It's where people of the promises went after they died. Abraham's bosom. And so that's why Abraham's standing there. And so that's to signal this is a good place. This is an okay place. Clearly, God takes care of Abraham. That's where Lazarus is, the poor man. The rich man, he's in Hades or in hell. We largely know that is not a good place. And it's described for us. He's in constant agony. Three times... He asks for mercy. And a tip of, in a drop of cool water to soothe his tongue, he asks for mercy so that his five brothers might be warned. He asks for mercy so that a man raised from the dead might be shocking enough to change the lives of those people. Three times he calls Abraham father. Three times Abraham tells the child, no. No. As a Lutheran church, we're great at mercy. As a Lutheran church, we are great with grace. And this is a disturbing text. No, says Abraham. If you want to know about somebody, if you want to know their heart, look at where they spend their money. So, this will be participatory today so that either we might share together our knowledge, or we might become more silent. Who knows? But I have a question for us all. I want you to answer out loud. If we truly know, or if we kind of know, either one, the heart of someone by looking at their money, what do we know about the rich man? Selfish. 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 Self, right? What else? What does he spend his money on? Food. So he eats sumptuously every day. What else? Clothing, right? Purple linens. He's dressed to the nines. What else? Himself. He's turned in, right? And you don't dress to the nines, and you don't eat sumptuously unless you're trying to show it, right? He's not wearing athletic shorts and sitting in a recliner. He is dressed to the nines. Let's take a look at the poor man. What do we know about him? We don't see much of his funds, but what do we do know about his actions? What happens to him? What is he concerned with? Survival. A different version of self, right? So, it's not just being aware of self that makes Lazarus, or that makes the rich man not great in the eyes of this parable. It's okay to be concerned with self. It's okay to want to eat. It's okay to have a good life in as much as your needs are fulfilled. But the rich man takes it to the extreme. Eating sumptuously, dressed in the finest garb, all for oneself. Self versus self. Apparently, there's a balance to be struck. So I have a second question for you. Why does Luke ask this? Why does Jesus ask this? What is the point of the parable today? What's the point? Where your money is, your heart will be also. I agree. What does that mean? 
If you spend money on yourself, it's all about self. What does the parable suggest that we do? Act more like Jesus, which would be? Caring for others, I heard. What else? Sharing. What else? Caring. Being aware of who's outside our gates at the end of our driveway. Being aware of those who are in need. Actually addressing that with our money. Actually addressing that with ourselves. Not being fixated on how good our quality of food is in as much as being fixated on making sure that everyone else has food. Okay. So now I'm stuck, guys. Because we seem to know the lesson. We seem to know what it's suggesting. What's up? Doing it. We need to act. Five weeks we've been talking about this. We need to act. We need to do something. And it's not in theory. It's not supposedly. It is literally a call for you to take your money and go and look into the area and figure out what needs there are, whether it's local, regional, global, I don't care, and address them. Address them. There are two things that I want you to hear every time I speak. One, we never read the gospel pretending like we don't know the end. We never read the gospel pretending like we don't know the end. I want you to know that God decided to take a chance on what Jesus supposed anyways. Jesus says that no one's going to change even if a man raises from the dead. Well, God said, let's give it a shot. So God died. God was buried. And in three days rose from the dead. And in that, God wants us to know that while we were yet sinners, while Lazarus still sat on our doorstep with dogs licking his sores, while that was still happening... God said, I love you. I know that you can't change on your own. And there is grace. Not because you deserve it, certainly because you don't deserve it. Lazarus is sitting out there. But you are loved, and you are mine. Regardless. The second thing is that with grace, there is also directly tied responsibility. We know what to do. We know what it looks like when we see it, at the very least. We got to do it. Go home. Take a look at your bank accounts. Every single charge on that line, every single check that you wrote, every single cash purchase that you made, every single debit card, every single credit card, look at it. What does it say? Some of it is a good self. We need food on the table. Don't stop eating. We need clothes. Please don't stop dressing yourselves. Some of it is selfish. 
We don't need to feast sumptuously every day. We don't need to be dressed in the finest clothes. Go take a look at your bank accounts. Go take a look at the statements. Go take a look at everything. And take the selfish things and use that money, that money that's still coming in, that money that's still there, and address the needs in the world. Participate in the crop walk. Participate in the work and ministry going on here. But I'm going to tell you right now, Brad, cover your ears, I don't care if you give it to the church. I don't. As long as it's going toward the work of the kingdom coming, God's will be done, give it. Wherever that is. Now, if you don't know where to put it, the offering plate's a good place to start, okay? <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I am more worried about making sure we're in line with the gospel than I am on where it's residing. You be sure your money is in line with what Christ would do. And it seems like we know how to do that. We just have to do that. For five weeks, we've held this weight and this responsibility, and it's not going to go away. For five weeks, we talked about being blessed with riches, being blessed with wealth, and at times we are those who are blessed, and at times we are the ones whom the dogs are licking our sores. I guarantee you, you know which one you are. A man has raised from the dead and has come to you, you five brothers, and said, Have mercy. You are loved by God. You are gifted by God. Have mercy on those in your community. Know who's outside your doorstep. Know who's in Arnsville and Biglerville and Adams County and beyond. Know those people. Don't just let them sit at the end of the driveway know them. You give your money, not to yourself, but to them, and you work for the kingdom. When you are inev inevitably sitting in a corner with your bank statement in your hand, crying a little bit, or a lot, know that there's grace. But when you're sitting at a table eating sumptuously, know that there's responsibility. God have mercy. God be with us. Amen.